Hello and welcome. Another episode of Hoopsterdamas, Adam Shalafu and a boss, a boss's life, they call him, Daha Dwala. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. It really is a boss's life. <laughs> um, and, you know, NBA's back. Uh, I watched my Blazers yesterday beat the crap out of Golden State. The Bulls actually, you know, they got killed, but there were, you know, there were some positives. So I'm a happy camper right now. Both my teams are not trending 100% downwards anymore. So that's good. Yeah, a lot of silver light, uh, silver lining to be had with the Bulls. Like, obviously not a very good team yet. But, you know, even the other night, I was really enjoying uh, round two versus the Wizards just because, uh, you know, Markinen was out, but Gafford looked good. And um, a bunch of guys scored more than 10 points. I mean, it's kind of like a, a, it's just a fun team. Kobe White had a career high 10 assists. Exciting stuff. Absolutely. And and the assist, the, the, the assist numbers are always it's just so uh it's great to see that because i think that was the only concern that i had with him being the starting point guard is that like he seems to be more of a two levine seems to be more like a two uh if those guys together can combine for like 15 18 assists a game i think that'd be perfect for for this team especially when there's a lot of other guys on the team who are at least decent passers um i feel like they're always better when sadaransky plays i feel like right now with the COVID uh everything going on with the team uh and then with marking and out I feel like they'll be they'll, they'll look nicer when everybody's healthy it's gonna be a long year though yeah I agree and that seems like a kind of a perfect segue uh for the first thing on our little rundown here oh well, I guess we're skipping ahead to number two but we can circle back to the Atlanta Hawks uh but you know we were talking about a little bit of Blazers and I think the Bulls in their best case scenario you want to kind of see that that two dog attack similarly to what we see in Portland. And uh, you mentioned it, CJ McCollum, not Damian Lillard is actually the one uh, leading the team in points per game so far. And the dude is just straight up balling. He's got a 9.7 assist to turnover ratio. I don't know how sustainable that is, but that's like ridiculously good. Uh, And Lillard close behind with uh, 25.2 points per game. But how exciting is this for you as a uh, a Blazers fan? Dude, this is the best team they've had in years. In years. I I think, like, the only thing that maybe comes close is, like, when Brandon Roy was still, you know, in his, his like, prime before the injuries. Yeah. But they're they're easily – I mean, it's easily the best team they've had. Uh, They don't need to start Carmelo anymore. They're only asking him to come off the bench and, and do his thing. Covington and Derek Jones have already been really good for the defense, I think. Yeah, totally. Um, I think they do they, – they, together they do a really good – a really, really good job. While the – you know, the numbers don't look good for them right now. They're, what, like 23rd in the league in scoring defense. Um, they've also had a really brutal schedule. Uh, I mean, they haven't played a bad team yet. What, they've played uh, – they played Houston. They play, played both L.A.'s. Um, it's gonna get it's gonna get worse before it gets uh, better. I think like the next ten games, there's a few hard ones, and then some like easy games for them to just like pick up wins. But um, I think for, for how brutal the schedule has been, I'm, I'm pretty like I'm happy with them. And and the one the great thing about CJ right now is that like he he leads the league in three pointers made and attempted. Mm, uh, and crazy I think to do both. I think yeah, I, I think Lamar heard their color guy was talking about it that that McCollum wanted to 
concentrate more on taking the threes this year rather mm-hmm. than all like, you know, I mean, he's still a mid-range maestro and he's still unbelievable in the mid-range, but uh, I think it'll be nice to see him. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, taking this... the three a lot more. Definitely. And I, I misspoke there. Obviously, you know, if you take the most, maybe you want to make the most too. That's not anything that crazy. What's crazy is he's shooting 45.6% and yeah. taking 11 a game, uh, 11 and a half, really 11.4 per game. And so we'll see if that stays up. But I mean, there were times and shout out to uh, my friend, Jeff. He's, he's a big Nuggets fan out here. Uh, my cousin's husband. And we always text during these Nuggets games. And uh during those Blazers series against Portland, I guess it was two years ago. Now we were both like, okay, CJ McCollum is the guy we're worried about here as Nuggets fans more so than Damian Lillard, no disrespect to Damian Lillard, but McCollum is like kind of super underrated just because of the clout Lillard does have, but you really can't have one without the other. And I don't know. Would you call this a breakout year? Like this is some of the best CJ we've, we've seen. I wouldn't say breakout year. I feel like he's just doing, he was older yet that like if he was in the East, he'd be an all-star every year level. Mm -hmm. Um, I feel like this year it's just like, um, it's going to be like a minimal, like a little, little like tweaks in his game that he makes that kind of puts him over the next level. He'll never be, he'll never be as good as Dame. And to your point, it's like, I feel like you expect excellence and top five, top 10 caliber play from Lillard. But I think maybe McCollum ends up being like a top 20, top 15. I feel like last year there was all this buzz that like, oh, there's no way they can win together. We have to break it up. And people were like McCollum for Tobias Harris or something. I'm like, but like, I I don't think there's any point, especially now, because uh, while like, Everyone keeps saying that, like, you know, Covington, Jones aren't really, like, the best on-ball defenders. Um, as a team, they're just going to be better. Because now they have three guys in the starting lineup who are just smart with their defense. Mm-hmm. Gary Trent is still on the team. Uh, while a lot of the bench – I feel like so far the bench has been a little bit up in the air because it's like, you know, you've got Cantor out there, you've got Carmelo out there, you've got Rodney Hood out there. Not really a lot of defense coming off the bench uh, with those three guys. But uh, I feel like they'll they'll find a way to make it work. I just think, I mean, it's just nice to see this deep of a team, especially in a year when, you know, you would think that like every few games someone's going to miss for contact tracing or anything COVID related. Yeah, it's going to be a weird year and you're kind of seeing all these teams eat each other. And there's teams you thought might have been better that are really struggling. There are some teams, uh, I mean, not that (laughs) – not that I want to go too much into them today, uh, but like it, it's weird seeing the Suns are you know five and one. Like we we all knew they were going to be good this year, but like they're they have the best record in the league, you know, or, or recording on January second, and that's just crazy to see. Uh, it's very fun to kind of like have this anybody can beat anybody kind of league, and I don't know how much that like ties into the COVID thing, but also it does like tie into, it wasn't a normal training camp. These guys, a lot of them haven't played in a super, super long time, especially the guys who haven't, uh, who didn't play at all in the bubble. You know, you're going on the longest some of them have ever gone in their careers without playing basketball or or professional basketball rather. And so it, it is pretty astounding, but it's encouraging. I do want to see, uh, you know, I'm a big Yusuf Nurkic fan and I thought he was going to be a little bit more of a focal point this year. Uh, not that he's been bad, but 
I don't know. He was putting up some monster games in the bubble. And right now he's just averaging, you know, nine and a half points and just under eight rebounds, three assists. Uh, do you think they'll get him going a little bit more? Or what's, what's the deal with Nurkic? Yeah. I, I mean, I also feel like just the, the minutes have been kind of low right now. Yeah. I, I really, I think they're just bringing him along a little slowly because it's like, you know, he came back for the bubble, but he was kind of thrown into the fire playing big minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, I would understand why they're trying to like keep him healthy. And I think it helps when you've got a guy like Cantor who has a proven track record when he's played in Portland. Yeah. I mean, it feels like he picks up his defense when he plays for Terry Stotts and he's always just a rebounding monster and a monster down low. Uh, so I feel like they'll bring around, bring Nurkic along kind of slowly. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I would assume the numbers go up <laughs> like nine points in, in 25 minutes seems pretty bad for, for Nurkic and at least what I think of him and, what you think of him. Yeah. Uh, I feel like he'll turn it on, but um, I feel like they've also had games that have just slipped away. So maybe that's why the numbers are just, the minutes are just kind of low. And then yesterday, 5,017 minutes. So I feel like a little bit further into the year, it'll get better. I mean, they've got, it's actually good for them moving forward because they've got like what they've got golden state tomorrow. Um, and they've got the Bulls, which would be which will be nice. Minnesota, Sacramento, Toronto, Sacramento, Indiana, Atlanta. So it's like at least there's there's opportunity to pick up a lot of wins. Yeah, especially for in them. that short term stretch because you know Golden State yeah. should be a win. Bulls should be a win. I hate to say Minnesota should be a win. Uh, but that kind of brings us to that Sacramento team, which is next on our little list here. Because I mean. It, it was weird. We're, we're doing uh, these season previews, me and Hami. We, we looked at the Kings and we're like, they shouldn't be bad. They should actually like be pretty solid. But we didn't know where they would be in terms of their division. But this really – and it's, it's super early, right? I, I don't want to get ahead of myself. But they're three and two, and they're looking good. And, uh, you know, they've beaten the Nuggets twice. The Nuggets is a whole different conversation. Uh, They are really struggling on the defensive end of the floor. But they beat the Nuggets twice. They've beat the Suns. uh, And they lost a really close one to the Rockets. And kind of hitting that group chat the other night, uh, I think a guy a lot of us at Hoops Dramas are really into right now is Tyrese Halliburton, who's like, this guy really has a lot of composure for – He's 20 years old and he's taking huge shots and making them. Yeah. I really wanted the bulls to, to get him. He was one of the guys who I had on my list. And, and a lot of people were saying that he could end up being the best, the best player out of this draft. And like well, the fact okay. that Sacramento got him that low uh, or like that late, I should say was, was incredible. I mean, I think he's going to be a really good player. Uh, I'm not that high on Sacramento. Um, I feel like beating the Nuggets right now isn't that bad because the Nuggets look like crap. They do. Uh, I feel like they're probably really tired still since they were just playing like three hours ago yeah. <laughs> or three months ago, I should say. Um, and like, obviously, the, the, they, they beat Phoenix, which is nice. Um, but I don't know. I'm a bit, it's a bit early for me to like anoint them. Marvin Bagley still sucks. Yes. Yeah, uh, kind of hides in hindsight that like, he was the guy they went with when you think about like Trey young or Luca, maybe they're both pretty good. There uh, was, I mean, they could have taken Markin and they would have been better off than, than taking Bagley. At least Markin would have 
fit this team kind of well. Yeah. I mean, in the best center over there is Rashawn Holmes, Chicago's own. Yeah. Uh, and so <laughs> it is very one. interesting. Uh, but I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm kind of in like, let's see what they do mode as well <laughs> with the Kings, but they certainly have my attention and they just play fun and fast. Uh, I, I think Denver, I was concerned about the defense going in and I thought that they'd be able to just outscore teams and they are doing a good job scoring the basketball. But like, if you can't stop anyone, you're clearly in trouble and that's kind of where they're at. And I don't know what to make of them because in theory, they figure it out. Right. But they're actually one of the worst defensive teams in the NBA right now. They have the second worst, uh, defensive efficiency behind only the Houston Rockets who are not known for, you know, their defensive prowess, but this is a team that's taken some huge steps back uh, from not that they were always consistent defensively last year, but like a team it, at times they, they had a good enough defense and I don't think that they should, you know, they did the right thing, but not paying Jerry and, or Jeremy Grant rather uh, the amount of money he's getting in Detroit for kind of being their best player in a weird way, but they are really missing him and they got to get their shit together. This is pretty rough. Yeah, they do. And I will say, I talked a lot of crap about Jeremy Grant, but um, he hasn't been awful. He's not shooting that well from the, from the floor or from three point range, but I, I'm kind of liking him right now. He, he seems up to the challenge, but yeah, Sacramento, I'm, I'm, I'm just not too high on them. Um, maybe in the future, maybe if they can, like, you know, like you said, play defense. I still think they're really, really just stupid for firing Dave Yeager and going with Luke Walton. I've, um, I do like Luke Walton, but I'll admit I'm biased just because Bill Walton's like my favorite commentator ever. And so <laughs> I, I just think Yeager, like he had that year. They played really, they played pretty well. Like what? I think that was the year that that was one of their best records in the last like 15 years since they were good um and like letting him go made just it just felt like a king's move yeah and vlade is finally gone yeah that was uh 2018 19 they were 39 and 43 which is like i mean that's probably what that's probably their best record since 2004 to the three maybe i don't know i don't know i i, I did I, I think there was a woge podcast with the with the gm the new king's gm mcnair um, but it was King. So I wasn't like interested enough to listen to it. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I, um, they have my attention and it, we'll, we'll, we'll see what they do. It is going to be weird because with the shorter season teams like Denver can't afford to get off to a bad start and seeing them fall to one and four. Now they are, uh, you know, that's, you are digging out of a legitimate hole when you are in dead last place. It's only five games in the season, but they're in dead last in, uh, in the West. And so that's not what anyone was expecting. And I think you got to give credit to teams like the Kings on any given night. Uh, especially, you know, you looked at New York, beat the crap out of Milwaukee one night, like anybody can beat anybody, especially this year. And I do think that no team should ever look past their opponent, but tomorrow the Denver Nuggets will be in Minnesota. And if they don't get that win, 
my finger's already on the panic button. It's just a matter of whether I'm going to push it. But I do not believe at all in the team defense. And it's kind of an issue. Like people are getting better at defense, but like you're, your best on-ball defenders for the, that like slashing three last year was Torrey Craig or Jeremy Grant. And now you're in this weird position where, I mean, how much can Gary Harris do? Because he's the only guy on that roster who I really trust even at all to get out there on, on the perimeter and play good defense. And I don't think he's necessarily uh, elite, you know? And so... We'll, we'll see. Also, what he's kind of undersized too. Um, he's not really like he's not really like gonna match up in height to like a LeBron or a Kawhi or even like a Paul George. Yeah. Um, honestly, like it, it's 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 a hot take. It might not be a good one, but if they want to win right now, I feel like they should trade Michael Porter and get an established wing who's a good defender and who can still score. I feel like Michael Porter has a bright future, but if Denver's trying to win now before they have to pay all three of those guys big contracts, why not? Uh, if you think you have a window right now, but then it's like, who do you trade for? Yeah. And even at, at, at that point, like, is there a window now or is it just starting to open up? Cause I think frankly, Nuggets fans are kidding themselves if they think they're a contender this year. Like it, it, the, the Lakers are too good. You know, they they did a good job against them last year. And if it was last year's like same team running it back, that's one thing. But you're kidding yourself if that's what you think it is. Like they have Montrez Harrell, uh, and they have uh you know, they, they made the pickup for Dennis Schroeder and Marcus Saul. And it looks like uh we have an unexpected visitor here. Uh oh. Yes, come in. <laughs> Ah, it appears to be Coach Leo joining us here. Coach Leo, just in time for some uh, for some Nuggets talk. Oh, yeah. What's up, fellas? Oh, yeah. Well, I'll, I'll get you a little caught up here. We uh, talked about the Kings, how fun they look. Uh, we've been talking about uh, the uh, Blazers, CJ McCollum playing great basketball so far. Now, talking about the Nuggets and how uh, they are not great. And uh, Abbas just brought up the potential of maybe trading Michael Porter Jr. Uh, and I was saying that it really depends on where you think their window is because this this guy's 22 years old and a lot of your best players on your team are younger and you're kind of waiting for that window to close for the super-duper team that is the, uh, the Los Angeles Lakers who might kind of have – a stranglehold on the West right now, but you look at Denver and like, you could just stick it out for the next few years. You have bowl bowl is 21. Uh, you know, you got Jokic is 25. Murray is 23. Porter's 22. And so if those are your guys, you want to stick around with long-term, maybe you don't want to break it up, but I definitely see the appeal in getting a better defender, which is clearly the issue right now for the nuggets. So you're saying that the, um, you know, the uh, the Nuggets, they, yeah, they're they're at that, you know, they're at that stage in the uh, as far as like talent and their success, 
you know, he's like, uh, what what move do we make? You know, what's the what's the right move to make? You know, um, I mean, you got LeBron over there in L.A. You know, uh, who's always going to be very, very, very hard to beat. Mm-hmm. Um, do I just you know focus on developing my team like I'm supposed to, or do I play? Uh, or just kind of like wait it out? I don't know. That's that's a tough decision for an organization. Um, um. I mean, that's why it's tough to be a GM in, in this NBA, man, because, I mean, I, I was looking at the season at the start, and I don't really – I don't see any, like, like talent-wise, I don't see any bad teams. <laughs> I really don't. I don't see any bad teams. It's just youth and coaching. and But the Nuggets, I mean, Michael Porter Jr., he's one of those – I mean, I think – he could be really, really, really good. I mean, I guess yeah, you test the market, test the market, and see what you can get for him. Um, but I don't know. I mean, you'll you'll be feeling really bad about yourself if he turns out to be, you know, better than Kevin Durant. You know, and being yeah. potentially being a franchise player. Um, but I don't know. I um, I guess you got to see what um, really. I, I would, I would, what I would do if I was a GM of the Nuggets is I would um, start running a lot of my offense through Michael Porter Jr. just to see what he can do, and if he can ball out and the price is right, yeah, I would trade him. I would. Yeah, that's even like a guy like, uh, like let's say he winds up being in that like Paul George tier. Even then, it's like are you going to look back and say, well, we traded him when he was 22 years old and maybe blew our chance for a championship when he was 27 and could have still been with Jokic. It's very interesting. You kind of like got to have one hand on the present, one hand on the future. What do you think about I don't know. It's, it's, it's a tough one. It's a really tough one. I, I just don't see who who's even, who's really selling majorly right now who actually has, a player who would be, you know, like a appropriate return. Yeah. There's like nobody really. I mean, like Leo said, there's not really anybody uh, actively selling right now. I mean, like, okay, see what else are you going to take from them? They don't really have any, any quality players who are available. Mm. Um, Minnesota doesn't really have anybody who, who would like fit a Michael Porter trade. Cause you really uh, need maybe, a very, maybe San Antonio down the line. Uh, but like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's like they v- need a very specific kind of player too. Like they need, yeah. uh, not that this, uh, just using this guy as an example, no way in hell this guy gets moved, but they need a, a Kawhi Leonard type, right? Like they need, but that when I say Kawhi Leonard type, that also could mean Robert Covington. You know what I mean? Like someone who is going to be a lockdown defender, and a reliable offensive player. So maybe I shouldn't say Kawhi, like that's best case scenario, but like Oroko or, um, you know, I would say a guy like Tory Craig, but then he's going to bring them down defensively. There's not a lot of really good two-way players hanging around the league right now. And if you have one, there's no reason for you to want to let him go. And so it does kind of put them in a weird position where even if they were to make a move, it would be really hard for them to find someone who can actually help them 
in the ways that they would want, which is like finding an elite defender who can make the whole team defense better and help you get closer to contending for a championship. Cause at this point, I'd, I would almost say like your best bet is develop Michael Porter jr. Into a better defender. And, you know, he, he said before the season that he wants to be the guy who can guard the other team's best player. And one thing I do respect coach Malone out here doing is he's letting him fail. You know, you don't want to make that a habit necessarily. You don't want to see a guy like sink instead of swim, but he said like, Hey, if, if you're going to be a starter, then we're not going to hide you on defense because we shouldn't have to hide starters on defense. And that's kind of his, his philosophy. It's like, he's a defensive minded coach with an offensive uh, personnel. And I, I think you're just seeing a lot of issues with like, not having anybody really like you're, you have, I honestly think one good defender on this team in, uh, in Barton and Jokic has gotten a lot better and bowl bowl could wind up being best case scenario for him is someday an all defensive player. But the fact of the matter is this guy's played like he'll play five minutes a game. So there's no point in, you know, like he's not ready. A lot of these guys aren't ready. It's it's weird because it's like this team is certainly not rebuilding, but you have almost the same energy as like a team like the Pelicans where it's like, okay, how good are these guys going to be in a few years? The yeah, that's true. That's true. I, I don't know. I think maybe like five more, five, ten more games and see what Denver is actually up to. I feel like they'll – They'll rise back a bit. Um, I feel like it's just a rough start after a really, really short offseason for them. Yeah. They got games, two games against Minnesota. Uh, that could get them some confidence. Then they play uh, Dallas, Philadelphia, and then they play New York. So there's a good chance by the time, uh, you know, next Sunday rolls around and they're playing the Knicks, we're having a completely diff- different conversation about them. But, yeah, I guess they got to get it together. Yeah, man, they were, they were, they gave a lot trying to, um, they went seven games with the Jazz, you know, <laughs> and then uh, had to turn around and play the Lakers. That's a lot to come back from, man. Yeah, one of the most grueling playoff runs I've ever seen. <laughs> and uh, it doesn't hurt that, or it doesn't help rather, you know, that second game against the Kings, you don't have Jamal Murray. And I think the weird thing about Jamal Murray is like him and Jokic are, I don't know. It's almost like a Stockton and Malone type thing. Like you can't really have one without the other because they make each other so much better. Um, but like when you don't have Murray on the floor, I actually think this team gets super predictable and like, I don't know. It seems like the, their start, the holes in the boat start, coming in quick uh it's like on offense too you know like the kings just waited for Jokic to get the ball and then they would send a double the second that entry pass came in and they caused a lot of fourth quarter turnovers and turned that game around and kind of ran away with it uh on on tuesday night so we shall see uh let's 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 switch gears going to the the great southeast 
Abbas, I feel like you, uh, you told me you want to do a little backpedaling. Is that accurate about a certain team in the Southeast? Yeah, I, I was pretty bullish on the Hawks last week, but um, they've looked good so far. I mean, they score a lot, like a lot, a lot. They, don't, <laughs> yeah, they do. Their, their defense is still kind of like, you know, it, it's, it's not good. <laughs> it's not good. Right now it's 22nd. Um, and I mean, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Right now I feel like they've looked better than I thought they would, but they beat the Bulls, they beat Memphis, they beat Detroit, and they beat Brooklyn one out of two. Yeah. So it's like, sure, yeah, you're going to beat those teams. And if you're playing a team back-to-back, it's like you are bad, like one day break. You're, you've got to, you're going to beat them at least once, right? You've just seen them. Yeah, if you guys um, are close to so competition like, in theory. Four and one when you've beat the crap out of the hapless Bulls in that opening game and then Memphis – and then Detroit, who uh, doesn't seem to know how to build a team, and Detroit put uh, up a damn good fight. I don't do. Yeah, that. they they did actually. They actually did. But like, I don't know. I'm I'm st- I still have concerns about the Hawks. They also like need to get healthy because it feels like every day somebody's out. Chris Dunn's out. Gallinari is out now. Uh, I took Capella a couple games to get back. Uh, so let's see. But I will say, like the the young guys, Herder, Reddish, Hunter. All of them have looked really good so far. They've all like had a game where they just pop off. So I, I'm I'm excited. I'm excited. I still am not a big fan, but let's see. I, it's it's early. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I definitely expect them to be really good. I think the the big thing for them is like that's a statement performance, you know, against the Nets in that first game, even though they don't win they showed that like, Oh yeah, this is your, this is your uh, darling team of the, out of the East, huh? Well, we're taking it to them. And that the fact that that game ends 145 to 141, and then they turn around and, you know, win by almost 20, well, shoot 114 to 96. Yeah. Almost 20 points against the, the best team, uh, you know, my pick to come out of the East, I think that says a lot. And also when, you know, you have DeAndre Hunter going nine for 10 from the field and 23 points, it shows that, you know, it's not just about Trey Young. And so I don't know. I'm, I'm very interested. Uh, Leo, I know you're in Alabama. And so I believe they're, they're blacked out in your viewing area, but have you had a good chance to check these guys out? I've seen a couple of things. I mean, uh, they, um, they're just balling, man. They're uh, they're a young team. Um, like and these guys, these young guys, they're like that's one thing I've noticed about the NBA is like the, the energy that these young players play with. You know, it's it's so phenomenal to watch. You know, or I should not even say like young players, but fresh players, mm. you know, uh, rested players. Like I mean, I saw John Wall like last night make this move. Like I'm like, oh, like he just. He's going full speed. I'm like, dude, I'm like, bro, why are you playing so hard? <laughs> but, but um, I mean, like, it's just it's like those those little glimpses, you know. And with the Hawks, man, like, you know, Trey Young, like, he just and he's pulling up from like three, four feet behind the three point line, like, just like they're they're out there balling, man. They're just having fun, and um, I think once the season, you know, progresses. Um, people, uh, or not people, but teams start dialing more in uh, to 
uh, I guess scouting. The scheduling is weird, you know. Um, uh, I, I should look more into the scheduling of the uh, how the scheduling was done for the NBA this year because you know, like yeah, there are all those back to backs where you're they're playing the same team and yeah. stuff. Uh, um, I feel like that kind of all plays into it, but um, oh no, it's weird, man. But yeah, the Hawks. Uh, Credit to them, man. They're balling. I mean, I'm, I'm happy for Trey Young. You know, I'm, I'm glad to see him excel. Uh, uh, when he was, uh, I wasn't a, I said I was a fan of him. When, well, he went to Oklahoma, right? Yeah. So uh, I went. I would. I was. I, he could shoot in, but he could shoot at Oklahoma. But I always, you know, you, you ain't you ain't proved anything to me until I see you ball out in the NBA. And he's balling out in the NBA, so uh, hey, gotta give him credit. You know how to hoop. Yeah, for sure. Honestly, like I could totally see a narrative where he wins MVP, just because oh, the yeah. like a lot of the media, I feel like, underrated the Hawks, and maybe they knew Trey Young was good, but maybe they were like, oh, you know, maybe the Hawks aren't that good just because they weren't that good last year. But then you know, you look at the structure of the team itself, and it's, it's dangerous. Uh, and then if they continue to have the success they've had and the success they've had is four and one right now, and they're leading the NBA in points per game with 125.8 points per game. Granted it's early, but it's going to create this narrative that Trey young carried the team is, is what I think is going to happen. And I don't think that's necessarily accurate. I think it's actually like they did a great job building around Trey young and yeah, Trey Young's the undoubted best player on that team. But like what they're doing from a basketball strategy perspective is just very hard to stop. Trey's shooting 36%. Uh, you know, John Collins is, I think his numbers will go up. He's around 31, but you get like DeAndre Hunter's well above 48. And uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich doing what he's done throughout his career, shooting around 40. Cam Reddish shooting around 40. Reddish also looking way better defensively. Herder shooting around 40. Uh, you know, even Rondo is someone who's not going to take a ton of threes, but like his actually, you can't leave him anymore, you know? And so the Hawks have this personnel that will spread you out and turn the game into a track meet fast. And also, I think that they're a very underrated rebounding team. And that's key because it's not enough to just outscore teams. But I think that's how they were able to really give Brooklyn so much trouble, which is obviously, you know, you got some beasts down there with DeAndre Jordan and Jared Allen. But right now, the Hawks are second in rebounds for game two. Uh, And that comes down to John Collins. And now they're finally getting we're finally getting to see Clint Capella play for the Atlanta Hawks like it it feels like forever ago he got traded there uh and he's only played three games for him I think he's still kind of shaking that rust off but you add him into the situation and his first game back was against Detroit and it just gives Trey one more guy to run that pick and roll with and it also allows you to shoot more from the outside much like a, a team that I would compare uh, to this team in a, in a weird way would be like those Dwight Howard magic who also had the personnel to spread you out and then elite rebounding, which allowed you to get a lot of uh, second chance opportunities. And so I think like from a basketball perspective, just plain and simple, 
what they do is just hard to stop. I'm really interested in seeing, I mean, like, look, they've got these wins. They've beat some bad teams. They beat Brooklyn. Um, they play Cleveland, New York, and then Charlotte twice before running through the gauntlet. So I want to see, they could be eight and one or seven and two. And then they play Philly, Phoenix, Utah, Portland. It's like on the 16th after they've played Portland, I'll revisit to see. I'd want to revisit to see, like, did they go three and one in that rough stretch? Did they go one and three? Did they lose all four? I feel like that'll be really telling on where they are as a team. Yeah, definitely. I'm, 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 I'm looking forward to that for sure. I also want to see Philly play them because I want to see if Philly is legit or if the four and one so far is a fluke. Yeah, they beat the hell out of Orlando, and now we got no undefeated teams left in the NBA. But that was kind of a statement win just because people were like, yeah. who are the are the I Magic mean, legit? And then Philly's like, we are legit. <laughs> Philly, Philly also at the same time. I mean, it's like Washington, New York, they lost to the to Cleveland. They beat Toronto, and, and they lost to Cleveland without Embiid. Uh, they beat Toronto. Uh, Toronto looks like a dumpster fire right now. They are. Um, yeah, something's wrong. And then they beat the crap out of Orlando. Embiid looks really good. Though. I, I Simmons hasn't been scoring a lot, but Embiid looks insane to start the year. Yeah. And he's making the three at like what thirty eight point five right now. So that yeah. that's that's alarming. <laughs> if it holds up, of course. I don't, I don't think it will, but who knows. Charles Barkley said he was going to win MVP this year. He's got a 30-player efficiency rate. Dude, we'll Barkley, Barkley, everything he says doesn't come true. So, like, every yeah. time he says anything about Portland, I'm like, all right, man, you... thanks for jinxing it. <laughs> yeah, and then – Hey, man, uh, he's from Alabama now. Don't, uh, don't, don't be – don't be uh, – don't be – throw Charles Barkley some love, man. He, he might yo, – he, I... he could be right one time. <laughs> <laughs> I like Barkley. I think he's great. I love that he supports Portland, but it's like, man, you keep jinxing that. You keep like he's like the Portland Trailblazers are gonna beat the Lakers and win the finals. I'm like, oh, dude, now they're gonna win one yeah. game. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, can... or, or go ahead there. No, I was gonna say he can be a little bold in his predictions sometimes. Like, I don't know, maybe he just he's an under, he's, he's I guess he's an underdog himself, so he's always rooting for the underdog. <laughs> That's true. That's true. <laughs> well, as uh, the great Mark Twain once said, there are lies, damned lies, and statistics. So, you know, we can throw all the numbers out <laughs> the damn window. You know, uh, talking to Coach Leo the other day, and he's like, these stats don't mean anything earlier in the year. Uh, and, and he's right. Oh, no, you know, uh, they're uh, trends. No, no, but let me stop you real quick. Let me stop you real quick because <laughs> I, I, it's funny you brought that up because I was going to bring that up. But you said like earlier about the Hawks and they're 100, averaging like 125 points, like uh, uh, over the first couple games. He's like, "Granted, it's early in the season." I'm gonna tell you something. There, stats are stats, and 125 points over an average of five games is a lot of points. All right, like that's that's <laughs> incredible. Did you have five games? That's a lot of points. So that fact. I mean, that stat is a legit stat. <laughs> yeah, it's it's pretty damn impressive. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, I do think the Hawks are legit. I think that the Nuggets will bounce back. Uh, I love Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, Abbas, I know you said you had to go uh, in a little bit here, but you did want to talk a little bit about our favorite Chicago Bulls rookie. Yeah, yo, I, I... – I have really enjoyed 
uh, Patrick Williams so far. He plays – he he. first of all, he doesn't look like a rookie. Like, he's not like this wiry, thin, little 19-year-old. He actually he's looks huge. like – He looks like he's been in the league for, like, five years. Yeah. Uh, he's got the poise. I, I mean, I'm not a big fan of the fact that he keeps doing that. You know, he, like – every time he takes a mid-range jumper, he, like, puts one foot on the three-point line and then shoots. <laughs> <laughs> I really want him to either take a few dribbles in or pull up beyond the three-point line. I know he's not, like, a full-out three-point shooter yet, and, like, it'll come as it goes. Uh, but I – overall, I've, I've loved it. I, I think the Bulls just, like they, – they have a good future. They have a good future. And, and that's it's always nice to see because we haven't had anything good to celebrate as Bulls fans for, like, five years. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take this. It's just nice to not have Jim Boylan on the sideline anymore. Yeah, I don't know if you guys uh, caught the episode we had with Sam Smith, but he ha- hilariously uh, compared uh, Billy Donovan replacing Jim Boylan to um, – wow, how do I forget this guy's name? He's literally going to be the president of the United States. Joe Biden. Yeah, he compared it to Joe Biden replacing Donald Trump. And it's <laughs> like maybe this guy is not going to be like – awesome but he's gonna be like at least we have an adult in the room now you know (laughs) (laughs) and so it's kind of like yeah like oh wow we got we got an adult in the room uh you know people really freaked out early with with the chicago bulls and like i get it you know it's not fun to see your team lose but i feel like people didn't respect atlanta they probably didn't expect Indiana, who's a whole nother conversation. It's a bonus dark horse MVP right now. And then, uh, you know, Golden State, like, they're still Golden State. Like, they're not the same animal, but, like, if you don't think that the Warriors can beat any team on a given night, like, maybe they have to have a little luck on them, their size or whatever. But, like, the, the Warriors – have Stephen Curry and he's the best shooter in the history of the game that is predicated on putting the ball in the hoop, which means they can beat you, you know, like that's all it's really going to take. They're struggling, but they're not bad. And so I feel like bulls fans were kind of overreacting early. Uh, It was really reassuring to see how good the bulls looked against uh, Washington with back-to-back wins over them. And if you thought the Bulls were going to contend with the Bucks, you're kid- you're kidding yourselves. Like, yeah, you probably should have expected them to lose by 30, right? Uh, but it's going to be interesting. They got um <laughs> frankly, their schedule is absolutely brutal coming up. And so I think it's gonna just keep getting worse. They got Dallas looking, looking at the bull schedule before the season. It was like, dude, they could start out like two and 15 (laughs) and there could still be some positives. They're probably going to lose their next six games and I'll just be looking for positives. Cause like, no, they're not going to beat Dallas, Portland. Maybe they can beat Sacramento, but we talked about Sacramento looks good. They're going to lose to both LA teams and they're going to lose to Boston. And some of it's going to be painful. The next win's probably going to come mid January against the Oklahoma city thunder. Even that, like, I, I could see them, like, being so out of it mentally and emotionally after getting whooped every single game that they'll just, like, give up in that game. I mean, like, it doesn't really get any easier either because it's, like, after Houston on the 18th, you get Charlotte, L.A. again, Boston again, Memphis, Portland. 
Then finally, beginning of February, you get New York twice, so maybe a chance to finally pick up a win. And that's but a I Thibodeau revenge them. game. He's going to pull out a sword I, and start that's true. swinging that's it true. around. <laughs> I could easily see like a two-win January, and they come out of – they come out into February like two and eighteen or something, or four and eighteen, or four and fifteen. Well, well who, who's bringing the sword to the? Who, who's bringing the sword? <laughs> Thibodeau, you know he keeps the sword on him on the sidelines. Hey man, he's got Julius Randle playing like <laughs> he's got Julius Randle looking like Russell Westbrook power forward edition. Yeah, like shooting some... the three point well, triple doubles, and then they're like what? They're a top ten team defensively right now. It's like how much of a difference it made from whatever the hell was happening last year to this year. Thibodeau, that's all it takes. And and Leo, like you said earlier in the show, man, like there's just no bad teams really in the NBA. And so like that means you're not going to get easy wins. Uh, the Bulls, you know, I don't think they're a playoff team this year, but the future could be better. We'll continue to evaluate. And uh, I guess I'm, I like what I'm seeing out of some of the guys uh, individually. But we'll start wrapping it up here. I, I know, uh, a boss, you got to go live that boss's life. You got things to do today. Um, any any closing thoughts, fellas? Go Blazers. Go Bulls. <laughs> we just want improvement. And let's go NBA. That's what we needed. I'm, I'm tired of football. I needed my NBA back. Yeah, we'll see if the Bears make the playoffs. Uh, you watch that one tomorrow <laughs> against the Packers. So we're we're, we're going to need help, like divine intervention. <laughs> like David Dave Bakhtiari, their best lineman, just tore his ACL. You never like to see that happen, but that definitely is going to make things more interesting. You know, uh, so we'll see. Coach Leo, thoughts, my friend. Thoughts. Um, stay safe. Uh, long live basketball. Yes, <laughs> sir. <laughs> we can't end it on a better note than that, so I think that's where we'll end it. Uh, as always, check out our guy Evan Butris. Uh, his his work is on his Instagram at the Wax Cowboy. If you're looking to get any graphic design work done, uh, he's the guy to do it for you. And keep an ear out tomorrow because we have a very special edition of the full court trap coming we actually have a uh, athletic director from the western suburbs against one of our contestants who is undefeated so far in the contest and so we have a plethora of fun topics ranging from uh, u.s history uh, to pre-steroid era MLB and uh, even a little Bears Packers as we'll be recording that one before the game uh, so until then we'll see you guys next time on Hoopstradamus. Hoopstradamus